This podcast was supported by the Pulitzer Center. Si es mole, hace con chile guajillo en negro. When Linda makes mole, the traditional Mexican dish that combines over 40 ingredients, she doesn't need a recipe. She remembers every step by heart. Unos le ponen muchos condimentos que tablilla, canela, pimientas, clavos. Chilies, cinnamon, peppers, cloves, and sometimes even chocolate. Recalling these ingredients reminds her of home. Simmering pots fill her kitchen. She smiles as she recounts the natural beauty of her home in Mexico, the one she was forced to leave. Ixtaro, Michoacán, is now a place she can visit only in memory. The smell of fresh tortillas wafts off the comal. She offers us the option of corn or flour to go with the mole. In Ixtaro, she had a view of rolling hills full of trees, a laundry business, space for her family. Now she's living in a rented room that she shares with her three children. Tenía una vista muy bonita yo porque ese cerro estaba grande, muy enarbolado. Uf, precioso el cerro. Linda recalls the yellow landscape covered by milpas or cornfields. Puro maíz, donde quiera que voltearan, miraban milpa. Now it's replaced by infinite rows of avocado trees. Es puro aguacate ya, ya no hay otra cosa. And the reason is simple. These are communities whose sole income relies on agriculture. Their land has the perfect conditions to grow a product that is in very high demand. I eat avocados probably four times a week. Avocado is amazing. It's probably my favorite vegetable. Is it a fruit? I don't even know. It's delicious. In 1985, Americans ate 436 million pounds of avocados per year. By 2020, that number exploded to 2.7 billion. I mean, there are even avocado bars in New York. You know, last year I was in New York and I saw avocados being sold in the Lower East Side for $4 an avocado. We all love our sourdough avocado toast with poached eggs or a spicy guacamole while watching the game. Remember this year's Super Bowl ad? The one where Anna Ferris plays Eve in the Garden of Eden and New York City is now the big avocado, and then the catchy avocados from Mexico. How are avocados in one of the most expensive ad placements in the world? Well, that's easy. This is a $3 billion business driven by a voracious demand from the US. And the main producer is Linda's home, the Mexican state of Michoacán. So for people in Michoacán, changing their crops to avocados meant having more income, living in a better house, and finding a livelihood that could give them new opportunities in the agriculture business. 
But new money doesn't go unnoticed. Over the weekend, the U.S. temporarily banned Mexican avocados due to a security threat, a threat highlighting the criminal element that continues to afflict the avocado market. Avocado imports came to a screeching halt right before the 2022 Super Bowl, and the rotten underbelly of this industry was exposed in the United States. But this story is way bigger than avocados. It's about the complicated relationship between the violence guns perpetuate and the people that are being forced out of Mexico because of it. The story will take you from the beautiful avocado fields in Michoacán, Mexico, to wineries in Napa, California. To the NRA convention and the migrant shelters in Tijuana. To the homes of families who have experienced grief on both sides of this endless war on drugs. I'm Toya Sarno-Jordan. And I'm Stefania Corpi. This is episode one of Caliber 60. Ixtaro, Linda's quiet hometown in Michoacán, had remained relatively calm at a time when other parts of Mexico had become battlefields for organized crime. No la pasábamos en la calle jugando con la tierra porque antes no estaban pavimentadas las calles. Before streets were paved, kids had fun playing outside on dirt roads. Todo mundo ahí se saludaba. Cuando había una fiesta, pues todo mundo se invitaba. Neighbors organized parties. And like in any small town, everyone was invited. You'd chat with anyone you'd meet. Everyone knew everything about everyone. That's why the arrival of unfamiliar men didn't go unnoticed. They weren't from around town. Nunca dijeron de dónde venían. They never said where they came from or shared their names. The first time Linda saw weapons in Ixtaro, they were hanging off the shoulders of these men who drove by in SUVs. As weeks went by, these appearances became more frequent, and the SUVs multiplied. So did the guns. A la tercera semana ya eran cuatro camionetas y ya más llenas de hombres armados. By the third week, there were four trucks filled with more men. They stopped occasionally to buy things at the store and continued on their way. But the real problems began when they decided to stay. Entonces ellos lo que hacían al principio era Ver qué casa estaba sola. They started squatting in abandoned houses, many left behind by people who migrated to the U.S. But once all the empty houses were taken, they began forcing families out of their own homes. El dueño de la casa ya no le quedaba de otra, porque pues está, ellos estaban armados. At gunpoint, people were cast to the street. How do you say no to an armed group of men? En la noche tomaban empezaban a aventar balazos al viento o no sé dónde, pero se escuchaba en la noche mucha balacera. Linda recalls that these men often got drunk and gunshots could be heard throughout the evening. The still nights of Ixtaro had ended. But why? 
Cartels across the country are fighting for the lucrative drug trafficking routes into the United States. Uh, so the latest figures are around 39 dead. Now this, as you said, this is an area uh, right on the border of Michoacan. The average American now eats seven pounds of avocados a year. The demand has made a lot of farmers in Mexico rich, but it's also drawn the attention of organized crime. Avocados. The crop that brought money and abundance to Ixtaro had caught the eye of the narco group Los Viagras. Yes, like the little blue pill. All narcos are after one thing, money, regardless of where it's coming from. In el rancho lo único que hacían era pedirles cuotas a las personas que tenían sus huertas de aguacate. Linda explains that Los Viagras began charging avocado farmers a fee, one that could cost them their lives if they failed to pay. Extorting avocado farmers was Los Viagras' way into the industry and into new territory. Sadly, this is nothing new in Michoacán. Porque de hecho yo cuando escuchaba los balazos y todo eso, yo decía esto solamente pasa en películas. This only happens in movies, Lina thought to herself, when news of violence in nearby towns began to build fear in Ixtaro. Many towns in Michoacán were invaded years before Ixtaro when the infamous Mexican drug war began back in 2006. Peace died a long time ago in Michoacán. And American guns are fueling this violence. You're listening to Caliber 60. Stay with us. Support for this podcast comes from the Catena Foundation, making ambitious public radio journalism projects under TPR's Border and Immigration News Desk possible. Welcome back to Caliber 60. The size of avocados is measured by caliber, just like ammunition, and this story is about America's obsession with both. For decades, the U.S. and Mexico have been in constant negotiations over how to deal with migrants, drugs, and guns moving across the border. Uh, one of the flows that has been uh, widely identified is that while drugs flow north, uh, money and weapons come south. That's Cecilia Farfan Mendez, a security expert at UC San Diego and co-founder of Mexico Violence, a think tank that researches violence trends in Mexico. So increasingly what we're seeing in Mexico is people being violently displaced from their communities, from groups that are actually heavily armed. So, she adds that this displace of weapons helped create a perception of power, building fear within the community. Like this video released by one of the most powerful groups, Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación. The video shows several dozen uniformed men armed with military-grade weapons, including 50 caliber sniper rifles, alongside a convoy of armored vehicles. When you go to the forensic lab, where there's been up to 1,000 dead bodies, just bodies everywhere, right? And the next room is the women and children looking for their disappeared. You know, you can smell them, for goodness sake. That's Timothy Sloan, ATF's former attaché in Mexico City. He's seen up close the deaths these weapons and drugs are causing. Realistically, at least 80% of the firearms in Mexico come from the United States. That's right. By tracing seized weapons found in shootings in Mexico, Sloan and his team were able to estimate that around 80% of all firearms in the country come from the United States. 
In all of Mexico, there is only one legal gun store. Somehow, the country is still littered with high-powered weapons, mostly smuggled from the United States. Now, the Mexican government is taking an unprecedented step, suing arms manufacturers in U.S. federal court. In 2021, the Mexican government sued 11 American gun manufacturers like Colt, Smith & Wesson, and Beretta. Here's Alejandro Celorio, Mexico's lead attorney in the lawsuit. The gun industry, the big manufacturers that were, are, were suing, are on notice and are aware that their products are sold to cartels, to criminals, and they have done nothing to change this. This lawsuit seeks $10 billion for the negligence that has let millions of guns slip across the border. And we're not just talking about pistols. Let's remember that in Mexico we have civilians um, committing crimes with military-style weapons, weapons that shouldn't be in the hands of civilians. Celorio is right. In March 2022, the Mexican army seized a historic amount of high-powered weapons and ammunition, including 650 caliber weapons, 130 long guns, and 3 million rounds of high-caliber ammunition. And as mentioned in the previous news clip, there's only one legal gun store in the country, compared to the over 52,000 in the U.S. Celorio believes the Mexican government is doing the best they can to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. The governments have been doing their job, but what about the corporations? The lawsuit has been criticized for being politically motivated, but something needs to be done. More and more military-grade weapons are being found in crime scenes in Mexico. Now the concern isn't just how many, but how big. Viral videos from the 2023 capture of El Chapo's son, Ovidio Guzman, show narcos firing at military helicopters and airplanes with 50 caliber machine guns. In other words, these are civilians trying to shoot down Mexican military helicopters with U.S. military weapons. Violence keeps reaching new levels in Mexico. Left with no protection from authorities, grassroots groups sprouted in Michoacán. And back in Ixtaro, that glimmer of hope was called Pueblos Unidos, or United Towns. Y yo, la verdad, yo sí estaba tan emocionada, como no se imaginan, como, como que yo decía, wow, hasta que alguien vino a salvarnos. Como Linda was excited that someone finally came to rescue them from the hold of the narco group Los Viagras. In 2020, the vigilante band of farmers Pueblos Unidos formed to defend their avocado crops from narco control. Inició como un movimiento eh, de defensa del territorio. Irene Álvarez, a sociologist and researcher from the Colegio de México, explains that these self-defense groups emerged as a means to defend their territory. Self-defense groups like Pueblos Unidos not only fight with weapons, but with politics. Small towns supported by self-defense groups suddenly had political leverage and the attention of local governments. For a community held hostage by narcos, this might be the only option. Pueblos Unidos secretly approached Ixtaro, offering their help to fight off the narcos. Linda didn't want her children around weapons, but under the grip of narco control, Ixtaro had no choice but to join Pueblos Unidos. A few months later, their true motivations came to light. More of this on the next episode of Caliber 60. What can I tell his son? Your father is in heaven. 
Caliber 60 is reported and produced by Stefania Corpi and me, Toya Sarno-Jordan. Producer Jacob Rosati created all the sound design and original scoring for this podcast. Audio editing by Bennett Smith. Our editor is Yvette Benavides, associate editor of TPR and TPR Noticias. And Dan Katz is TPR's vice president of news and our executive producer. This is a production of Texas Public Radio with support from the Pulitzer Center and the Catena Foundation. Until next time. 